0: Hello, and welcome to episode 80 of the Asian Cinema Film Club. I'm your host as always, Edward Jones, and joining me, of course, is my co host, the professor, Mr. Stephen Palmer. Hello there. Tonight, we look at the Insect Woman from 1963, uh, picked from Stephen, which we will obviously talk about in a minute, but of course, it's time to ask what you've been watching. And, Stephen, since the last episode we've officially now wrapped up Anthony Wong month you can go back and check out all the recaps of that wonderful month that was uh, Anthony Wong month seeing some weird and wonderful cinema uh, over the uh, course of the month as we scratched off 31 titles from the Anthony Wong's extensive filmography uh, reaching some fun conclusions about his, uh, his work which you can obviously uh, check out on those recaps but what has been holding your interest if anything
1: well, um, obviously you've watched 31 films starring Anthony Wong and I watched about 15 of them just to make sure that I could keep up with you in the episode. So a lot of it's been that. I did, however, catch on Amazon Prime a Stephen Chow film I hadn't seen before with the, It's um, got to be careful if I say this, The 60 Million Dollar Man. So he's 10 times more than uh, Steve Austin. I'd say it's a pretty minor Stephen Chow film. It's from our old mate Wong Jing. It's lowest common denominator stuff. It's it's from before that era where Chow becomes an auteur. So you know, it, it's before uh, I don't know God of Cookery, King okay. Comedy, those kind yeah. of things. There's a whole load of films which basically you know won't. Like I said in the last Anthony Wong episode, we talked a bit about Wong Jing, and Wang Jing's got his flaws, but one of the things he has done is, is he has really boosted the career of Stephen Chow, um, you know, from All, All for the Winner, the sort of spin off of uh, God of Gamblers onwards. You Wang know, Jing certainly gave Stephen Chow, um, you know, his career, really. It's a nonsense comedy about a rich boy who ends up in an accident and has his every part of his body, I think apart from his eyeballs, replaced. And <laughs> it's... Yeah, he, he... Oh, and his penis is not replaced. It's replaced by a hose with a shower head. <laughs> um, <laughs> nice. There's a lot of visual jokes. But basically, he has the ability to turn into things, but they are stupid things. It's got a... <laughs>
0: I still can't get over that description, then.
1: Yeah, you, you need to see this. It's Like I say, it's on Amazon Prime. Um, It does do one of the wrong things. There's a trope that we see a lot in cinema in general, but it's definitely in Asian cinema. You know the one where a phenomenally beautiful woman were meant to believe that she's nerdy and unattractive and later on she'll become gorgeous again? And it never works, right? But it actually does quite a good job. So Gigi Long... Who's like at this time? I think it's one of her first roles. Um, who who's this amazing willowy model actress who couldn't act, but in this she actually looks nerdy and unattractive in the first act. They actually managed to pull it off. It's it's amazing. There is a bit of your classic Wang Jing that's Lear a bit on ladies' bottoms and things like that going on, but that's you know we we make except um, you know we make exceptions for that because of the time because of the culture but just be aware it's there um it's got Ng Tat in so it's one of those ones where Stephen Chow and Ng Tat are playing off each other it's it's just really fun it's got some lovely pop culture references um if you like pulp fiction you'll recognize a whole sequence um but there's there's you know it's it's there are a ton of films that he made at this time that are like this it's just nonsense knockabout comedy with lots of pulp not not lots of pulp fiction. This one does with lots of pop culture references, um, perfectly watchable. And this one actually is set in Hawaii, so it's you see some different backgrounds than we're used to. It's not all set in the streets of Hong Kong. It's it's fun. it's minor, but it's fun. You know, it's a solid sort of six out of ten um and so if you if you want a, a deeper dive into sort of Stephen chow films and you've you've done kung fu hustle and the shaolin soccer and king of comedy and all that um it's one of the few of his films that's available free to well i know prime isn't really free to air, but it m- might as well be um it's so ubiquitous it it's 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 one worth finding i'd i'd, I'd recommend it but i'm not bringing i wouldn't bring it to the show <laughs> What about yourself, mate? Has it just been wall Walter Wall Wong?
0: Well, it it was really, wasn't it? Uh, so everything I've watched afterwards has been pretty much non-Asian cinema. I think it's I mean, obviously uh, caught up a few bits and pieces that I've uh, had on the back burner um but uh there's a show that has recently come on to netflix called old enough which is from japan i want to say in oh, which it's, um, it's
1: it's a very japanese it, yeah it's a japanese tv show that you can tell from all the on-screen graphics and the and the and the and the, and the uh voiceover <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: um i've put this on, i've shared this in a couple of our groups just like seen what everyone's reaction was and apparently i've overreacted to this this isn't something to be worried about at all but the concept of the show is that basically they send two-year-olds off to do tasks mainly going to the supermarket to go and fetch items and they film them as they stroll down the street next to busy traffic and pass the police and (laughs) all these things that would be like cause of concern here in the uk but in japan and suddenly if we're going off the narration it's the cause of much hilarity
1: yeah i mean the the thing i did like about this i was a bit concerned could i stand watching it for an entire hour or something but they're only 10 minutes long yeah they're really short so 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 they've they've split that up nicely i mean let's, let's i mean when i was a kid I did go to the shops on my own and stuff like that. And, and there was a bit of it. As as a father, I didn't let my kids do fucking anything because society, we've just sort of... We've molly-cuddled our kids and things like that. But I wasn't too. Yeah, <laughs> about to say, when
0: you were going there with, like, the note from your mum so you can get your... Get your pouch of in and your uh, yeah. rollies and whatnot. I mean, I don't think it was when you were two, as these kids are. No, and... I
1: think I would have been about six. And I come from a little village in West Sussex, right? There, there was one road to cross. And, you know, I, the, the the way to the shops it was about a mile away. But, you know, it was pretty doable. When I was two, I don't even... Well, yeah, I God, no. And these these little kids. And then the narrator is being so mean about.
0: <laughs> I know, the narrator sort of like, the, this kid sees like a, a policeman and he's sort of like, ambulance, is like, no, it's
1: not. Yeah, <laughs> and then he's making like, the connection. His like, brain is making the connection.
0: Uh, it's his fire truck. No, it's not. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, this guy's like getting so much mileage over a two-year-old not recognising a police car. And as I said, this police car, like you see the kid walking to it, and you think, you know, maybe the police officer would get out, but nope, just drives off. It's like does some T road on its way to the shops. So that's fine.
1: I mean, I assume there's obviously a film crew and everything oh, yeah. around I mean, it, so, what... so it it looks it looks worse than it is, but it is just one of these. There are a lot of nutty <laughs> Japanese game shows, and I'm guessing you know both you and I probably were bought up on. Chris Tarrant having a laugh at endurance, and 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 obviously you know we re, we remember Takashi's castle and um,
0: oh yeah the, the um... Ninja
1: Warrior and things like that 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 have come over here the wackier side. Well, what we thought was the wackier side turns out no it's worse than we ever thought
0: every time i like raise a criticism about it i'm just constantly like how the film crew like constantly in the air and stuff like like somehow all the people i talked about somehow got like some investment in the show because they seem really keen to defend where this film crew are but we have these long far away shots with like they're on a roof or something and the film of this child is like you cannot see anyone from the film production anywhere near it and they're like Two are walking next to a busy road. I think there's one where he's got like a flag to stop the traffic.
1: That's right. So in the first one, he's got a flag to to so they notice him. And, and and obviously, I've seen this before in 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 things I've seen. I've never been to Japan, so I, I don't you know I don't know how small towns and things, but but the the pavement seem to be um, like a couple of foot below the road level. Um, they're not then you know we're used to them being raised six inches above road level but they seem to be sort of dug out next to the road so they wouldn't see him (laughs) but 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 at the same time it's probably quite hard for the kid to actually wander across the road without being i mean again i'm turning into one of those people that's defending it it's um it's horrendous and if you have young children don't watch it this if is the ch- thing.
0: <laughs> I think because everyone I've talked about t- haven't got young kids, or so they're more lax parents than I am. It's all like this is something I can't watch like children, films with like children in peril now since I've had kids. It just like goes right through me. And to see like again, this is pretty much the same thing. It's just like these kids out on their own. It's all like I'd be horrified if it was my kids. I would know I wouldn't trust my kids to go and do this for a
1: start. <laughs> that's that's right. Um, They've just gone past that age where we worry about their every bowel movement. And now they're and now and now they're walking around on the road. Oh my god! We didn't let them out of our fucking sight till but, um, my, I didn't let my kids out of my sight till they were seventeen. <laughs>
0: the, one of the bits I really liked is that this kid like goes in the he's going to buy these items for a carry, I believe it is, mm. and he walks to the store and remembers he's forgot something. Now I'm just watching, going, yeah, I've totally been there. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, and, and you're not too. And there's um there's one. Where the kid's got to make something in his house while his mother's away. And she phones him up and says, Have you done this task yet? And he says, Yes. And she says, I can see you on a camera. I know that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> I just think, oh, I do I I haven't watched many of them. Because I thought, oh, this is a this is a thing to fill <laughs> ten minutes before the football starts every so often. I I I, I will I'll go through them, because it's, it's quite nice that it's bite-sized. If it was a half hour long...
0: Oh yeah, I probably went I to watch it. I just happened to tune into it, because it was like randomly came up with a preview. Mm. Like when you go into Netflix, this was the preview they were running. And there's a... I think it's again, I think it's the first one, because it's what sort of stuck with me, and they're like again, flowers for Grandma's shrine, Is so they're dragging them along the floor. It's like... Yeah, <laughs> That's it's, nice.
1: It's mean, but it's... Japanese game shows the ones that I've seen and Korean ones as well have you ever seen Running Man the famous Korean game show I haven't it's sort of of part game show part prank show part variety show but all these things seem to be full of people finding things ridiculously hilarious that maybe aren't and a lot of screeching and screaming by adult males um Uh, Sort of pointing out the obvious and telling you what's funny. And it's kind of in that. But it's because these are little bite-sized things. And it's not... It's cruel, but it's not cruel in a mean way. It's just, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) And it would never fly. It's the sort of thing we might have done as part of... What was that show? Game for a laugh. I don't know if you remember Game for a laugh, where Jeremy Beadle got famous, and Henry Kelly and Matthew Kelly and Lorraine, whatever. It
0: no, I just remember You Bet. Yes, um, so
1: so it's before You Bet, and it would have been the sort of stunt they would we, basically they were ripping off Candid Camera, yeah. But it, it it's a, feels a bit like one of those sort of stunt shows. But it's 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 ten minutes. Go, go and watch one for eleven minutes and see. Draw your own conclusions. But if you have a two or three year old child, probably don't.
0: I just can't help but think that with these so sort of bizarre japanese shows being like added to netflix now now they've run out of like k dramas and things to add on there for the minute that we're going to start seeing some really bizarre japanese programming if we if we support this that we encourage them so we may see yeah. things like Mini Skirt patrol which is probably still the most bizarre thing i've ever seen where you've got <laughs> these four um for idol type girls who are in like police uniforms with miniskirts hence the title but from what i got from the game show um, elements they had these four salary men who are going around in white underwear that they've got to make as dirty as possible <laughs> this is the best bit and one guy tries to like go underneath a car and rub it on like an exhaust pipe only to burn his ass and then sit in a, like a a freaking puddle to, like, cool himself off before they then have to go and wash said underwear to see which one can it's left with the biggest
1: stained underwear. There's two things that's come to mind. One is how staged are these things? Because Japanese society just isn't like that. It, it's They seem so... to relish in people the, being, being miserable just... from what we've seen. They, they do, but I do wonder if a lot of it's staged and not quite as realistic. And also, I wonder are these shows actually mainstream shows or are they on some fucking, you know, the equivalent of Dave <laughs> or something or worse? And and actually only like 500 people really watch it and it's the international audience that it's really being made for. I well, don't know. I don't we know. We had that whole they're... discussion
0: like, uh, well, way back now about Takeshi's Castle, the game show where we've seen mm. two people actually win it and they get a gift voucher.
1: <laughs> for, like, the... <laughs> yeah. I think
0: only Nyma has, has a prize that naff.
1: Yeah, well, I told you, didn't I, about the guy that made, I think four people have won it, or two, a very mm. tiny number of people, it. and he and it was like this American guy, and he sort of, he made it his task to find the actual winners of Takeshi's Castle. <laughs> and he did find them, and you're right, yeah, they, it's, it's this participation, you isn't it? You get to see Takeshi's... Uh, who is well, you sometimes. know they
0: have they have the big paper mache head of him who rides around in the um the battle tank at the end mm.
1: it is a society that is not necessarily it has lots of rules and we'll talk about this later actually when we talk about the film and and I do think they sort of do use sort of this sort of television entertainment and music and anime and manga and all these things are often quite extreme as a as a kind of release um and and but we, you know, just like you know, remember when we talk about that, that early anime that came across was the real fucking. Yeah, it was yeah, stuff. it was
0: a lot of like the violence and sci-fi and all the sort of
1: yeah. male audience, which is a fraction. It's a fraction of actual anime output, and certainly of manga output and things like that. So, yeah, I don't know, but you know what, it's it's entertaining enough, and. If that's the, that's the funnest thing that came out of Japan this week I reckon
0: well it's uh yeah <laughs> we've, we've had we've had <laughs> had some downs since uh since the last episode uh first off we have to mourn the passing of Jimmy Wang Yu legendary martial artist mm-hmm. um and star of one-arm swordsman one-arm boxer <laughs> um as well as one of my favorite movies the man from Hong Kong Australia's only kung fu movie directed by Brian Trenchard Smith
1: and he was also in Dragon, wasn't he? Sort of replaying his one-armed whatever, one of the one-armed characters. Yes,
0: he was in Dragon. and he played uh, wu Ji.
1: Yes, right, yes. So, yeah, he's a, you know, he's a Shaw brother's era Hong Kong forward giant. I probably just want to put those words in a different order. But, yeah, it's very sad. Um, I actually thought he'd already died himself, but... <laughs> Lots of things happened. Somebody else died this week and I thought they died years ago. So I can't remember who I was thinking, Oh my God, they're still alive. Um, well, they weren't, but you know what I mean. They got an extra 20 years out of it. Not that the world rotates around me. This isn't the Matrix. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was sad. It was good to see, you know, in lots of the Facebook groups and other places where we frequent, there was a lot of nice words said about him and a lot of nice sort of Pictures and things come up, so clearly an important actor to a lot of people. Certainly over here, and I'm yeah. sure in Hong Kong. He's I mean, in, 2000, uh, in
0: 2011, he suffered a stroke, which caused him to move, lose a lot of strength in his left side, and he for his own personal sort of physical therapy he regained most of the use of his his um his body like he was able to walk again and apparently he would like lift his arm like 1000 times a day instead of like the 200 they asked him to do it and through just through his like perseverance he was able to walk and talk and he didn't gain the full sort of strength back in his left arm but he was able to lift it again so it's just a very remarkable person and certainly someone whose legacy is if you're a fan of martial arts cinema then I think its his legacy sort of speaks for itself. There's so many good films in his filmography that are definitely worth uh, checking out. It's great to see them getting a lot of re-releases as well at the moment. Uh, things like One-Armed Boxer especially which is just a phenomenally fun film. Um, much like Master of the Flying Guillotine. And then you have things like uh, One-Armed Swordsman. So He's um definitely definitely um a, a loss, but um at least we have his films to remember. On the other end of sadness, we had the report that one of our favourite directors, Sion Sono, has uh, been caught up in a scandal. Um I mean do we have any sort of further details this time, or is it just that he's been investigated for um
1: sexual assault? Um it's probably bigger than that. Um, Me Too, hashtag Me Too, has finally caught up to the Japanese film industry. Um, uh, so there's a couple of directors and actors that have been... Um, um, outed, shall we say? I don't know if that's the right word. Because that. that means something else altogether. We'll say outed. So um, for... Um Sion Sono has been accused of basically offering female actresses roles in his films for sex. Um if I remember rightly, he's a bit of a James Franco in the sense that he'd set up like an yeah. acting school to groom them and uh and when you when you sent me the message about this, was it this week? I answered I'm not surprised, because I'm not. Um, in Sion Sono's case. I don't know if you've said I am Sion Sono. Or I C. haven't, no. Um. Um, so he he's not a traditional film director. He thinks he's, well, he's a, he's an artist. He's a director. He's, he's many things. And I think he has a very, as quite a lot of these sort of super creatives do, he has a very strange worldview where he literally thinks the world rotates around him and probably doesn't really understand he probably understands intellectually what's wrong, but you know these people have sort of psychopathic tendencies in the not in the sense that they're murderers, but they they sociopathic is more that they'll do things that they don't really care or understand that they're not right. Um, but it's not just Sono. Um, there's another director, Hideo Sakaki, has um, has equally been um, actresses of. Have come out and said what he's done and um other directors have um signed petitions against against these uh these people. I'm just trying to think if I can tell you a film that
0: he little bit of
1: as well bit uh, uh, well and... yeah a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of a lot was of that was around of a and stuff like of a lot am of trying was have of a little bit of a a a think there's anything that we would have anybody only mildly into japanese cinema would know um the other fella for um sakaki but yes it's it's looking it up there are um there's another one who's been accused he's a tv actor and um they've gone so far as um So this was something allegedly happened 10 years ago. So people, you know, these female actresses, it's kind of talking about the society again, that they probably haven't had the platform, the ability to speak out against it. Um, Again, we're going to talk about this a bit later, (laughs) about about the Japanese female role in society. Um, But yeah, he was on a TV drama and um, got accused and the TV, they just cut his scenes out. Um, You know, they're they're, they're going full... um, Kevin Spacey on him, um, so yeah, it's also there's an irony that it's come out at a time that a uh, first Japanese film to win an Oscar in thirteen years has come out, and now suddenly the light is on the Japanese film industry. I, I've got a feeling we're going to be hearing about this a lot, um, which is sad. But at least if it's in the open, it hopefully stops it happening more. Um, and, you know, we'll have these questions about separating people from their is that art. Is the question I was going to ask that,
0: next really? I mean, do we think this is going to be like a situation like Polanski, where he's obviously going to have these accusations and still be making films? I mean, obviously his films I don't expect to be deleted. Uh, so they would still obviously be available for public con- consumption, which...
1: yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I'm not going to put values against the different things these people have done. Um, Polanski, you know, the, his films still exist. He still exists. He's still allowed to make films. There's, it, it, it's not complicated. What he did is not complicated. But there are different laws in different. countries. Oh yeah, it's only and, by him
0: skipping the country that he's able to. He was able yeah. to get away with it. Um,
1: and, and Woody Allen's another one. Although even the Woody Allen stuff, I, I, I don't. I'm not sure. A lot of it is even true.
0: It's not our place but really to suggest, is it? It's, it's even...
1: not. So, no. Um, with Woody Allen, it's more difficult because he obviously appears. You know, these films are not. He's not a. He's not. He's not a director for hire. He's making his films that he's written, starring him from his own life experiences and you know looking back he's quite clearly you know he's he's got certain fetishes and things that come to play um but do i still love annie hall as a movie yes i do or do i love manhattan as a film yes i do but do i want to hang out with Woody allen that's different um and like i say no that there's this there's even more complexity around that. So, do we still stop loving Suicide Circle mm. or a Tag or, or, or Anti Porno? You know, Anti Porno that now becomes something like oh. <laughs> Anti Porno <laughs> doesn't even this, appear on this, iTunes.
0: This. We've got this gap in our listing. It's no, because like, <laughs> how had people go to it, messages? It's like, oh, you're missing an episode. It's like, nope, iTunes just will not recognise it because we've got the web porno in our title.
1: Really? How do how do the my dad wrote a porno? People get away with this uh,
0: mainly because
1: one of the biggest oh, podcasts God. in the world. Oh, that's yeah, why. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Because we're an
0: independent podcast, so we get like stood on constantly. Yeah. Uh, well,
1: but you know, it, the that's a film which is talking about a lot of things about Japanese women's place in society, and you know, I think I've mentioned before. I I I have had this. The problem I've had with Sono is that sometimes. His films act like they're criticising something. So anti-porno and tag are the two that, that really bother me, that they they, they appear to be criticising women's place in society, but at the same time, they're utterly full of fascistic shots and behaviour. And so is he, you know, the question is, is, is he using that as a critique or is he using that because he's a hypocrite? And I think we're beginning to realise the latter might be true. However, the nothing, nothing's been proven does it is probably true, but nothing's been proven. I think the biggest issue though is that he hasn't really come out and denied anything. Or even He hasn't given us right. a, a statement
0: as yet. And again I don't know. No, I think if he's just said in
1: I'll give a statement in the future. Yeah, I think he's just said I'll give a statement in the future or someone or a spokesperson had. It he feels like it's guilty of sin, basically. I think. Um so we've just we shall see. Um, we shall see. I'm not going to be judged during execution of some man's career, but it doesn't look good. Nothing. None no. Of this sounds it was good.
0: Uh, the only reason I kind of found out is that uh, our episode on the Love Exposure, uh, that trilogy of films, was getting getting a lot of heads on Twitter. I was like, "What's going on there?" So I like looked it up, and they was like, "See, on some of accusations, like, nope." And this was the same, I want to say this was like a week or two after Noel Clark gets away with like 22 allegations against him and the the Met drop the case. It's sort of like because the witnesses wouldn't stand up to, um, mm-hmm. I don't know what the word was, it was either testimony or invasive investigation. There was some excuse for it. And I'm thinking you've got 22 people have come out against this scumbag and we're just going to just drop it. So, we do, as with all these things, you've got to trust in the proper channels to handle it. We, as obviously, you know, commentators on, on film cinema, I and mean, we we just comment on the films. We don't really comment on the people, but obviously we don't, uh, I, I'd say we don't, obviously, we're not going to sort of endorse directors who obviously commit these sorts of acts, really. We just sort of separate the art from the people, having think
1: and in indeed, all, all, all that it just gives us another filter to view the work within. Um, you know, now we know he's a yep, pretty old man. Remind him once again. <laughs> just can, don't like can. anyone. I, I yeah, I, that that that, that, that the, is so the true. they more your heroes. They said they say never meet your heroes, but also don't put them any in any kind of fucking pedestal because they'll all turn out to be. Since starting this job, we have. About them.
0: It's just like, it's like before we start this, it's all like, oh Jackie Chan, he's like a a fun guy. No, he's got a cubic like obsession to directing, and he's got his own. Thanks to you and Kim hanging out on the show, that we found out he has
1: his own scandals going on, and oh, he's got scandals up the yin <sighs> as as him. I mean, it's the 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 big thing about the U, the, the U two movement. That's when a bunch of Irish people put their put their music on your phone without you asking no the me too movement is um you know there was this talk we've had talk of hollywood covering it up yeah and and enabling people like harvey weinstein in the uk obviously we've had the you know, there's accusations of bbc covering up oh yeah Saville that was a uh... king and and the gang like that it's going to be the same in japan Society, the institutions the, the the movie studios the 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 TV shows the the government will all have been hushing up this none of this sounds like it's a shock to anybody that's the you know there's, I've just been reading some quotes on on an article and there's, there's people left right and center saying yeah we knew we knew every 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 female actress in the on show film has probably had to sleep with him to get the role and it's yeah. And and now the truth is out. Hopefully, not only will it shine a light on the bad behaviour, but it will also stop it happening. So, let us see. Any, any good news? We should we should, have we should have talked laugh, about it. Well, we? I wouldn't say it's the good news, <laughs> but it's
0: it's only a distraction from this uh, from this 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 world, really, isn't it? Um, mm. The good news is um, that Criterion are putting out a Criterion release of the heroic trail. Yes. Oh,
1: really? <laughs>
0: um, which is, I mean, I'm constantly surprised with criteria. You think you got it worked out, and the fact that they put out every Wes Anderson movie, every Coen Brothers movie, and then they do something like *Heroic Trio*.
1: Hmm. Um. That's so weird. Which should mean we'll probably get it as a, I think, a Eureka. I think I don't know. I really don't know because
0: they... we have a number of Criterion releases, obviously, come over here. Like,
1: yeah, but but they're quite. They're, I think they aren't they like HMV exclusives or something? They're quite um, limited. We don't have the full it's, range. It's, yeah. It's, we
0: don't have have. Uh, yeah, it's cause it's a fraction. That's why we have the Arrow release for VideoDrome, whereas the Americans have mm. the Criterion, which was has got that wonderful cover of uh, James Wood putting his head in the TV, which is. The cover mm. I want. I don't want the cover I get with the Arrow release and-
1: <laughs> Yeah, uh, but mo- mostly I think they come out through Eureka or maybe Masters of Cinema. I think um, the, the, the the certainly the sort of the Asian related ones. It's quite uh, and, and I'm guessing Arrow have picked up obviously some other other stuff. Well, but not, not Asian cinema. I'm pretty certain they seem to be exactly the same releases with exactly the same extras. This- Even tonight's film, I think, has got a Criterion but it's come out on Eureka in the UK. We're talking, obviously, (laughs) about
0: Arrow. I mean, obviously, on the Arrow player, we know already that they add a number of other labels onto their player, um, Mm. including Third Window Films, where they've got at least 30 titles from the Third Window Films catalogue, including Funky Forest, Warp Forest, and personally, the one I'm most excited about, Crazy Thunder Road, have all been added uh, as of this week. So, if you... Not rich like Stephen, um, you can go check them out on there.
1: Oh, no. mate, I'm not rich. Oh, no, it's just. I, no, no, I'm not rich because I'm buying all this crap and that's what I'm spending all my money on, and now there's no room for me to sleep You sleep, just in sleep my on
0: pack. your power DVDs. You don't have your. Yeah. Yeah, I'd
1: do <laughs> my back a world of good, wouldn't it? I'm just <laughs> dreading when
0: they, when Criterion announced like they're going to put out the uh, next year of the Godzilla movies. The Heisai year. Know,
1: I know, right? i i know i'm wondering if they'll do two at once don't do that actually, i cannot but, afford um,
0: 300 quid in criterion box sets
1: oh no no what i mean is i suspect the next box set will be two eras in one because one of the eras is quite short
0: uh, um, miladyum's got it'll about be the, the and heisei uh
1: heisei yeah. i've got about eight so yeah so that kind of balances up to to a worthwhile but you but you're right it, that'll come if they put it if they <laughs> reduce the size i'm
0: gonna be so annoyed
1: it, it's gonna be another ridiculously sized thing that won't fit on the shelf yeah i'm i'm looking right now at my godzilla collection my shore collection my um gamma collection my and, and and a handful of others not one of the fuckers fits on any shelf in any such way that that makes it sensible. I don't know what to do with the bloody card bits either. My Shorescope one's got like a... I suppose the Godzilla one I think got these card out. It's a bit like Japanese um, re- uh, music and games do. You know they have the little cardboard thing that just doesn't fit on anything, just hangs off. I've got oh Jesus, yeah, the, the yeah like I just wish my camera I know my camera sets from yeah. Arrow. And my Godzilla sets from Criterion but I wish I wish they were the same same, same size in any one of the th- directions any any one of the three dimensions it would have been alright um,
0: we have obviously got Shawscope Shores, uh, Volume 2 on the way as well so
1: yeah although there's no announced date or anything for that I imagine I imagine they will be scalping people on that oh yeah and of course I've got my other Arrow ones which are a different size like Female Prisoner Scorpion, Dijamin. Dijamin, yeah. Well, Dijamin's at least (laughs) the same height as a regular DVD, although it's not the same height as a Blu-ray. what's the stray cat rock ones I've got, and the Female Prisoner Scorpion ones. I think they're, I think they're okay Okay. against Dijamin, but 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 yeah, some of those. But I've got, I got a Jalo set from Amazon. Not familiar, Always room for Arrow, Jello, with with three sort of early Jello, and one's not even a Jello; it's like a proto Jello. That's in a, well, that's just in a box containing three DVDs, uh, you know. But it's it doesn't need to be six inches thick, you
0: know. <laughs> it does make me wonder, like when they're designing these things, is sort of like, do they even think about how it's going to fit on the I shelf, know,
1: right? Yeah. So I've got the I've got the Blu-ray of of tonight's film, and it's just in a. It's got yeah. the Blu-ray in it, and it's got a DVD in it. They do this sort of dual release, don't they? Eureka, where they they always put both in because they just realise they're not going to be able to release two separate ones. It just wouldn't be worth it. From so, they just put it in the same box. And guess what? With all with, with clever use of of plastic flaps and things, they both fit in a normal Blu-ray sized box, and it'll just go with all my others. Yeah. That Tokyo Scope one. Like, I mean, I know that... I mean, the Godzilla one has those lovely drawings from comic book artists. Which is actually why I ended up buying it in the end. And, and it's a nice... It's a nice thing. The Scope one has got a book. But the book... The gimmick is it's in Scope size. That's the joke. But it means it doesn't fit on anything. Oh, I don't know. But yes, we will... That, that That's obviously our next two big spends, isn't it? We will both go for a second Godzilla set. We won't be able to avoid it, will we?
0: Oh, gosh, you're not going to support the Godzilla over here. I mean, it's bad enough, like, the amount of things were cut out uh, of by Toho as it is without getting into, like, the lack of Godzilla movies we've had for years, so...
1: Especially as I've now discovered, thanks to Nick, some of the... Uh, we'll talk about it another time, but he's... Mr Rayhack has introduced me to a whole new era of Godzilla films I had previously denied. I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say oh, yeah. is my favourite yet, but
0: Well we're looking at yeah, that at Christmas, aren't we? Yeah, so
1: So it needs to happen. Come on, Criterion, sort it out. Come.
0: Cool. We're gonna take a quick break. When we return though, we're gonna be looking at tonight's feature viewing the Insect Woman from nineteen sixty three. Hello everybody and welcome to the Cinema Recall Podcast here at ThatMomentIn.com. I am your host, Laverne, and on each episode, myself along with a guest, we'll be talking about an iconic scene from a classic movie. Which films will we be discussing? Well, that's all up to you, because before each episode airs, we are going to be giving you a poll of great flits
1: to choose from. Whichever one gets the most votes, that's the one we'll be talking about, so... Listen to the Cinema Recall podcast on the site ThatMomentIn.com
0: or on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or Podomatic, or SoundCloud. Thank you very much, and hope you enjoy it. And we're back. Tonight we are obviously talking about The Insect Woman from 1963, directed by Shohei Imamura. Um, As always for Japanese cinema, I will apologise in advance because I'm probably going to mess some names up. But uh, the film itself was released uh, through Criterion in a free film set, uh, wonderfully titled Pigs, Pimps and Prostitutes, free films by Shoei Imamura. Uh, This film is probably my first introduction to his work, so Stephen, I'm very interested to know what it is about this film that made you want to pick it.
1: Well to be fair it was one of those films that I bought a long time ago and hadn't got round to watching and it was on top of the pile and I thought you know what I knew we were going to go into Anthony Wong month. (laughs) I knew that we were going to be doing a lot of a certain sort of movie um, and I just thought this might be a palate cleanser but I hadn't seen it before so I'm going to be you know it was a first time watch for me. Um, The director I'm aware of but hadn't. So, so, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll um, Muller it as well, Shohai Mamura, so hope, hopefully we've both said it badly, but it's he's one of those directors with films like Pigs and Battleships and Vengeance is Mine, The Eel um, trying to think of another one uh, you know, he's, 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 he's sort of there as this director very well thought of you know, maybe sort of second only to Ozu which we surprisingly enjoyed, didn't we? When we saw, um, not surprisingly, but, you know, we we both enjoyed. Um, So he's in that era, um, sometimes thought of as a, almost an anti-Ozu, whereas Ozu is very into the style and form and the control and, what do they call it? Everyone's sitting on tatami mats, you know. Um, The the, the Imamura is, is a bit more of a, a free, a free-wheeling director, as we'll see in some of the things he does tonight. But at the same time, you know, they've got they've got very similar interests, and they're they're very interested in Japanese society and people's places in it. But they've probably got a different way of going about looking at it and a completely different world view. So it's not as crazy as something like I don't know, branded to kill, and that kind of era <laughs> stuff. But it isn't a katsu film, um, and it's also a film that talks about some things very frankly that 1960s Japanese people probably weren't ready to talk about. So um, yeah, he does does like a film about a prostitute though.
0: (laughs) It is true. I mean obviously you mentioned already the comparison to Ozu and I think that's really sort of apt even though Ozu is more sort of like focused on the slice of life, uh, which we obviously saw with Tokyo Story, which is a very thoughtful movie and I, again I like his like you said, I was surprised that we both enjoyed it. I thought was expecting that um I thought you would probably enjoy because it it's sort of like your your style of movie and I was surprised myself that I enjoyed it, Because so, when you think of Ozu's work you think he's one of those directors that like gets um in there were like the European directors uh, and films like Wild Strawberries um, th- and like Fellini movies, just these really sort of heavier pieces. So the fact that we were both able to enjoy a movie yeah. that didn't have a lot of action or big set pieces, and it's just really about this yeah. elderly couple going to visit their children in the city. Um, much like with such a long run time, would actually be as engrossing as it was. Yeah,
1: and oh, yeah, the the two names that usually get mentioned are. Kurosawa and Ozu, and um, you know, and 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 they're very important both in terms of the box office, in terms of the sort of films they made, but also sort of sort of technically as well, aren't they? They're both directors that are sort of innovators, or sometimes go against the way you should make a film. And the classic thing about Ozu and how he displays. Conversational shots in a really alien way, so that's not how anybody else does it. And, um, and you no, know, no, we've talked before about Kurosawa, you know, being an influence on people like John Ford and, and others. Well, you know, he was influenced uh, he, by John he was Lucas, that's and then, right. It was, it was, it yeah. was people like George that's Lucas who ripped off Kurosawa. That's yeah. right. I remember now
0: him, yeah, because, um, John Ford influenced, uh, um, Kurosawa. But, um, and as we mentioned before that that was a recent Kurosawa wore sunglasses on his sets because he wanted to play homage to him John Ford only wore sunglasses because he couldn't see um, and then obviously Francis Ford Coppola and George Lucas being the two main guys that he influenced in, as part of like the new Hollywood and when we obviously look at Imamura he's part of that Japanese new wave that also included the likes of uh, Shizun Suzuki who directed Tokyo Drifter Um, Now Suzuki was obviously the most radical of these directors and mainly because he sort of dabbled more in genre affair um, and sort of focused on issues like disintegration, consumerism and with Imamura, um, with this film in particular he's sort of hitting on a number of key moments in history of this this sort of period Uh, but he does it in such an episodic format which is almost alien it almost alienates the audience because we're not like watching a straight sort of narrative here we're just like stepping in and out of this character's life um as we rejoin them every couple of years as they enter a new chapter in their life as they go from working uh being part of this poor rural family to going to the city and becoming the mistress of a wealthy businessman and then losing it all again um which is some of the things we're we'll get into as we go in into this. Because I don't want to sort of like skip ahead to some of my issues with this film. But um, so you've never seen anything by Immamura before. This is like first time for yourself as well. Yeah,
1: no, I I, I only by reputation. Um, and like I say, I must have bought this movie a few years ago. And it just sort of, there's a, there's a couple. Um, there's another one called The Burmese Heart, basically that Eureka put out. And I sort of just buy them. 'cause you know you you see them in the 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 algorithm pushes them towards you, and I think that sounds interesting. I like black and white cinema, I like Japanese cinema I'll pick that up, but they never really feel the urge to watch it so one of the things this show enables me to do is is to knock things off that pile so yeah it was it was my first time I've done a bit of reading around since because I'm not saying it was unlike any other film I've ever seen, but it's a really interesting narrative style as you've already alluded yeah. to um. that that I actually found quite hard to follow for first twenty minutes, but that's just because he's bang bang banging through the first twenty years of the poor girl's life <laughs> and then a couple of things happened in those twenty minutes that I was a bit disturbed by and then 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 I was fine with it I mean it's two hours long which is it's quite a long time. But but it flew by actually for me. But yes, we'll I don't know, let's just go through the movie and we'll get to the weird bits as we get to the weird bits. But I liked you know, I liked it because it's 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 obviously telling a history of Japan over over a forty years. So the the history nerd in me likes it for that. Um obviously it's it's also telling a sociological story as well. So I like it for that. But yeah, let's, let's, let's dive into it. Because there's stuff that needs to be talked about.
0: Um, well, first of all, the film itself follows a young girl here played by uh, Sachiko Hidari, um, an actress and director in her own right.
1: And who was pregnant while making this film. Hence why there's some weird, yeah. The, the, they, there's a lot of covering up, but yes, apparently she was she wasn't very happy with the director. Just bringing it back to what we were talking about before, I think he made her do a lot of things she wasn't comfortable with. But yeah, she was she was pregnant during the making of it, so there's that. Not that you'd know, but there is that. Yeah. So yeah, we meet young Tommy, don't we? Um, being born to the <laughs> yeah. As a as a review, I saw put it. To the office tr- to to the village tramp. <laughs> they didn't mean a tramp like a homeless man. They meant slut, is what they were basically saying. And we're not even sure if the man who says he's her father is her father.
0: It's yeah. It's safe to say that <laughs> 1918 in Japan, especially in the countryside, isn't a fun place to give birth. As you're basically left to get on with it and hope that some elderly woman will know what she's doing.
1: Yeah, I mean it's you mentioned. So I talked about this like four years ago. This is this is a film set in the middle years of the twentieth century, and it is quite. We forget just how rural, and I'm not going to say backwards because that's not the right word, but how basic a lot of Japanese society was even in the 1920s. It's um in fact even in the 1960s when they go back to the village you see not a lot has changed but yes we think of Japan people of our generation think of Japan as the home of electronics and technological advances and cars and things like that but actually 1920s Japan was very you know outside of the big cities incredibly rural incredibly I don't want to say backward but you know what I mean and yeah I'm surprised anyone's last but yes poor old Tomei gets born um, dubious, but who her father is? It is. It's sort <laughs> that, of like she's
0: yeah. She's basically born not knowing who her, her who her father is, and she's sent out to work in work in the uh, in the countryside, and then soon she ends up uh, working as a factory where she gets her first sort of like groundings of power this story. And she uh, becomes a union leader and she's at the same time she's having an affair with a foreman which also becomes a reoccurring theme in her life of her being involved in men in various positions of power. And at the same she's there she's rallying up the workers and then she ends up getting fired for various political reasons and decides that she's going to head to the city she dumps her daughter who has again her daughter is a do we dare we to say that it was a product of rape? Because basically, the the guy that we assume knocks her up is a soldier heading off to war, and that he justifies him taking advantage of her is the fact that he's going off to war. So he has this is his right to to uh, to. But do he
1: it. is he's her husband, though, isn't he? Oh no! No,
0: no, he's because she's still a young girl at this point.
1: That's right. Yes. Um, yes, I think we do. I think we do. It, this wasn't dessert. And, oh my God, there's this, this matter-of-fact stuff going on where there's this... I don't know if it's her grandmother or just a village elder. I'm, I'm not quite sure the relation to some of the characters. Now, she gives birth to this child and they say, well, shall we kill it or keep it? It's really that cold, isn't it? After the, the magic of giving birth, it's... Shall we... And I think I think the thought is they were going to kill it, which leads me to what you're saying about this is not a child out of born out of love, of course. Um, but 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 Tomei says no, no, I want to keep her. But yes, he dumps her on um, no,
0: her father, who basically
1: well the the man the man who who has has acted as her father over the years. Although he's, I don't think he's her father. <laughs> I think he's um, I think he's the village idiot and he's just been conned into it but he's had an interesting relationship with Tomei that's you know oh I'm trying to breastfeed my child I can't get the milk out dad come over here and, and clear my milk ducts
0: oh god it's... <laughs> It does it again but on again... his
1: bloody deathbed as well again what I don't know is right if that's just a normal thing that people used to do <laughs> I, I don't know in my closeted Catholic Western world, we stop doing stuff like that because it's weird. But that was the reason outside, why. Outside in other societies, in other cultures, that's just a perfectly natural thing. It's not a sexual thing, it's just a practical thing. Yeah. But I don't know. I've never seen this before outside of Visitor Queue, right? <laughs> Just, I do not know it was weird, and it was even fucking weirder when they did it on his deathbed but we've we've shot ahead forty years but yes, um she has a very interesting relationship with men, and I'm going to you know and when I say interesting I mean bad from her father through to her husband, through to the guy that you know, like you said was going off to war and raped her through to Married man that she was having an affair with at a factory. Yeah, who also trutu. dumps her
0: because she's too rolled up. She's too yeah. political for and him. Then... Damn this empowered woman! <laughs> it's all like yeah.
1: And again, this is this is Tomei's story is the story of Japan. Yeah. So as she progresses through this, Japan is also growing up. It's industrializing. It's it's um it's suffering its own things we see little newsreel clips or she interacts with events of the day on occasion or we hear things from her diary but yeah she, she's meant to embody this or she's a spirit of the age a zeitgeist isn't she and and she embodies japan but she also embodies the women's lot in japan she is always a second class bloody citizen whichever relationships is in whatever, whatever career she has um, however empowered she might get, either as a union boss or later on as a madam of a brothel, she's always going to get knocked down. And usually by men. Or her own daughter.
0: <laughs> yeah, but, um, the her next, next career move is that uh, she leaves the factory and goes to work in the city, where she gets a job working in a brothel.
1: No, no. She's a maid next. Yeah, she starts off as a clean
0: lady in the brothel.
1: No, no, no. She's a maid for the girl with the American boyfriend okay. and the and the child. Um, which ends in the horrific moment of the film for me. More horrific than a man sucking his daughter's breasts or sucking pus out of her inner thigh. Um, when she's not really paying attention. She looks tired, distracted. And a poor little child basically mucking around in the kitchen and knocks over a giant pan of boiling water and is scalded to death which you could see it happening as it was going on but it didn't make it any less (laughs) like no, no and they do it and she dies which leads her to them in her grieving she joins a cult where she meets the madam well she meets the owner of an inn who is also running cool girls on the side and i had to do some reading up about this my search history mate is going to look very dodgy if 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 i die tonight and and people ask what was he searching why was he searching these sites you have to publish this episode so so it turns out in japan certainly during this period you have red light districts which i think we both understand so it's, it's all brothels and streetwalkers and sex industry and ladies of the night and all that. And these are called white light districts which are basically travel lodges that also happen to have sort of women that will sell themselves for sex in bars but it's not as there's no pimps and things going on it it's it's just there's, there's some kind of differentiation and and a later in a film does this in a documentary style and talks about it. so so yeah she meets this woman who's running we'll call it a brothel but it's not
0: no i mean the main she she deals with government officials and or an older men so it's a higher class mm. of clientele that they work with and that she's not been forced to sleep with anyone but she's basically told that by doing so she can make more money she is also pointed out the fact that she makes more money than she would out on the street and she also gets a the man makes this... Constantly, like, references about the fact that she's constantly feeding her three meals a day. Mmm. This is, like... a This is her big... Yeah. <laughs> her big thing to keep on board is the fact that she's feeding her three meals a day. Yeah.
1: I and mean, she kind of... She kind of coerces her into it. But, obviously, Tomei's a bit more of a match for her, as we'll find out in a bit. But we, um... So the other thing which apparently was really shocking at the time is that this film's quite frank about the amount of money and percentages and the business side of it. We we know we, we learn a lot about the running of the sex industry in this film, which I wasn't expecting to do. But apparently sort of, people knew it went on, but this film was extraordinarily frank about talking about it. And whilst things might look a bit quaint and sometimes funny in this film, this film was quite shocking in the day. Um because it was so frank about these kind of activities that you know, everyone knows happens, but no one wants to talk about, but yeah. So, but it doesn't matter because Tomei's a, she's a sly little, little, little so-and-so, isn't she? And she rats out oh, her boss. So
0: <laughs> yeah, she does rat out her boss who uh, gets arrested for sodomy. So she gets to take over the brothel running of the brothel. Um, and it's really this is the real formative years for her because she really sort of comes into her own It's sort of like her Walter White moment um, She develops this sort of toughness um, That obviously running her, such a business does and when the same time we're told that she's sending money uh, Back to pay for her daughter's schooling, but she's making sure the daughter's like, you know make sure you send it to the school because otherwise the I would say the uncle or the the aunt um, whoever she's staying with it, just sort of like take the, would steal the money. So she has no real contact with her daughter all the time. This is going on. Her daughter's still living. would assume, totally, like she's still living out in the countryside.
1: That that's but, that's right. So Nabuko is that her name or something like yes. something like that? So she's still living with with Tome's father or you know, rabbit ear father. Um and they seem to have a nice relationship Um Nabuku sort of mentioned she doesn't really like school but she's still getting letters and money from her mother I think they are I think that we're not seeing their full relationship because she does come and visit her mother later doesn't she so I, I don't think it's a complete cut off Some, something's still going on Um but you know, Nabuku um has different interests you know she's not interested in you know the, it's the classication thing isn't it go to school get your exams better yourself study till you're 19 or broken but she's more interested in sort of Working on a farm and making a business, and
0: yeah, she wants to. She, as you're right, she wants to just basically be a farmer, Mm. and her mother's like, doesn't understand why she's trying to. She spent all these years trying to escape from that life, why her daughter wants to essentially stay in that life,
1: yeah. But, but, but Um, actually, they're the same because what she does is, you know, and again, this is all sort of historical stuff, but she, you know, she, she uses the money and various other things to invest in a collective farm you know she wants the, the, yeah she's selling a farming commune that, that's right so there's a bit of bit um, of bit of, and that bulldozer. bit of um, bit of communism in there as well i suppose but yeah it, it's it, the same way her mother was organizing at a young age as a as a labor union person she's organizing in this in, in to try and get the people to get this farmland off the government and and build it up for something it's um there's some interesting parallels as, as as Nabucco becomes older we see lots of parallels between the two but they go about things in a slightly different way but they are both incredibly driven and they are both you know focused on business and money and maybe not their lifestyles it looks like they're enjoying living
0: yeah, definitely. So, I mean both of them have got this drive to them. Uh even though Tomei's not really in Noboku's life, they they still have this shared sort of drive mm. for their their own individual goals. And where Tomei we think is going to be sort of like set for life where she's working as the, the madam. Um, ends up being sent to prison herself, coming out completely sort of broken, destitute. Um, and it's really her daughter that uh comes to save her, really. Mm. Um, and it's it is a really it's a film that's that's hard to like describe and make to sound like the most interesting thing but it's got that like with uh, osu's tokyo story when you watch it it's a very sort of engrossing story even though i felt that the ending dragged on a little too much for myself um, and it also reached that point it was like how many times can we watch this woman build herself up and then be knocked down so when she comes out of prison, I was like, oh, I'm just pretty much done at this point. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like the third time this has happened. It's like, um, how many times can you walk at this mountain? And I, there was someone who on Letterboxd who put that, oh, but they missed a comma in that title. It should be like the insect, comma, woman. And it's like, hard to disagree with that <laughs> thinking. there. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, it is a series. Again, remember, she's mirroring the growth of Japan. Yeah, the the the, the 20th century resurrection well not resurrection but the growth of japan as an international force as a as a technological nation things like that but every step of the way bang we have a freeze frame he does a lot of that, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> it
0: is. It's certainly um an out there technique yeah. for the time where you're just having every time she... this series of photographs and they continue the dialogue
1: over. Yeah, it. that was that's kind of cool. I thought that was kind of cool. and the, but we get, and we have those freeze frames that every moment she's at her lowest ebb, every moment the thing her life has been pulled out from under her. That so we get this freeze frame of getting a really unflattering look at her and those around her. As as it um, happens.
0: But it's um I s well, I especially love the one where her um where prostitute rival sells her out and you get this freeze frame of her
1: bashing her face <laughs> in. But again that's Cause... a... yeah, that's a that's a callback to the previous scene where she where the same thing happened between the previous Madam and her and they swapped over and the previous madam sort of just turns around freeze frame Shh be quiet Don't say anything And you see Totally, so yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. And then she goes straight in and just rats her out in about three seconds. <laughs> but that conversation is also done by a series of stills, isn't it? It's um, yeah, it's interesting. But yeah, and then we see it again when the reverse happens when someone else betrays her. Well, she's not taking any shit. She's not going to take it laying down. She just goes and starts whacking over the big stick that <laughs> she's been carrying. She around. does it because
0: early when this character introduced, that uh, he mentioned they've had her nose fixed. Mm. So, of course, the big focus is on her breaking her
1: nose. Yeah, and these and these um, these are things people didn't talk about in 1963 Japan. It's um, fascinating.
0: I know all the time, while well, you've got this in the background, I mean, we've got all these historical events that are happening. We've got the bombing of Nagasaki and Hiroshima. We've got the student protests, like which takes us to the end of the 1950s. So...
1: Oh, and again, these the things stud- are all playing in the background. The student protests, which I seem to think were they not the background to, um, oh, what's the famous film? Bumba 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 bumba. Norwegian Wood, isn't it? That's set during those period, isn't it? Of yes, the, of a, And we get things like um, the sort of various agreements between America and Japan going on. um the war we see the marriage of the crown princess which they they sort of look oh isn't she pretty and she can play tennis but these sort of things are just they're not directly referenced they're sort of going on so while this woman is living her life her hard life a hard life full of setbacks we see japan growing and changing although maybe not so much when we get to the end but it's not um it's not like Forrest Gump, where she's playing this role inside every event due to history, or Zelig, or anything well, like that.
0: It's You know why? It's not it's because she's uh, she's not just conforming to the system, which Forrest does. Yeah. She, we're basically watching Jenny's story.
1: Yeah, and as a woman's story, a sad story of, of a woman in a, in a matriarchal society who, even when it looks like she's succeeding, even when she seems to be the head of this... Well, I'm not going to call it a brothel because that's absolutely what they're not doing. What she's saying is, we're not going to have a brothel anymore. What we're going to do is, you're all going to get proper fucking jobs in offices and stuff like that. But you will sell sex on the side, and so so you'll go and be get, have proper life, not just hang around a bloody room smoking, waiting, playing mahjong, yeah, no. playing mahjong or whatever it is they do. Probably go whatever it is they're doing, um, and she kind of organizes them and gets it sorted, but. Even though she's doing all that, she has a Yakuza benefactor who's helping fund it all. And the first chance he gets, he takes that away from her. By sleeping with her daughter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> then Again, her daughter... <laughs> who's doing a long con you, on him. <laughs> yeah, so she can... Um, you know so she can found her farming commune and even at the end when we we see her and she's just uh, basically walking back essentially back where she started but just now as an old woman and cursing the fact of her flip-flops given out on her yeah
1: they're sort of um those shoes those those wooden shoes that you'll have seen in memoirs from a gate of a geisha and things like that sort of old-fashioned she wears a kimono around 1960s yeah. Tokyo, you know, and she wears those shoes. But but Nabuko has also got pregnant, and there's a big debate about whose child it is—whether it's the Yakuza Bosses or her boyfriend's. um The parallels are amazing.
0: <laughs> Doesn't he like question it, and she tells him not to, not to question it.
1: Well, I think it's a really weird conversation, and I don't know if the subtitles don't help. But it's sort of what they're saying is. So we've kind of agreed not to question this, but I'm going to question it. And she says, you shouldn't question it because we've agreed not to question it. And basically, it's, I think what she's saying is, it's whosever baby you want it to be. But the reality is, you're going to be its father. You, I'm with you. Because she basically went to Japan, I've went to Tokyo. Is it, they're not in Tokyo, are they, actually, thinking about it? They're in another city. Um. But this—it doesn't matter. But she's basically gone there to basically rob two hundred thousand yen off the yakuza bloke, and she's had to sort of prostitute herself to do that, and sort of set her up as her him as her sugar daddy, which her mum was before. But her mum's taken it really well, because <laughs> mainly because she's just following in her footsteps. Because the mum—that's why that's why Tomei has gone back to town on the on the on the instructions of the yakuza fella. Who is paid for her trip home to try and convince? I want to call her Jenny now all the time but to get Nabucco um to come back because he's basically given her money for a, shop, a boutique, I guess, a, a a clothes shop or something like that, being 1960s Japan. Um, and I've got to be honest with you, I agree with you. I think I think it dragged in the final act a bit, and. There are only so many times you can see someone built up to be dragged down again. But I did want—I don't think that I don't feel the story finished for me. It sort of meandered to a point, and and we yeah. ended on another bloody freeze frame and another point where poor old Tomei is—you know—she's trodden some dog shit, didn't she, or some horse shit, or something, and broke her shoes at the same time and. She's all a bit oh well about it, but isn't that just her life, bless her? I'd like to have seen a cradle to the grave, but there's there's clearly another story here. There's more <laughs> There's more's going to happen to this poor girl. It's well, I'm
0: glad you were able to stick with it uh, <laughs> that long if you want to see it, see it past that. I was happy just watching a daughter driving a bulldozer and then just calling it a day because this is a very pessimistic movie. But it sort of reflects the era of uh, not only the era it's made, but also the era it's set in as well. So, because this is post-war Japan, isn't it? So,
1: yeah, it's it's like I say, it's gone from agrarian Japan to wartime Japan to to a. I mean, just there's a, there's some lovely scene. You know, we, we see her in the. Grotty factories. We see her in the factories in wartime. We see her in the, in the working the fields in the in her early days when she is basically given to another man for ten yen to pay off oh, yeah, a debt the, of ten yen. Um, yeah,
0: her. Um... How far as like he's like I've got the ten yen where she's like she's like yeah, I've got the ten thousand yen Yeah, and money's like, give you money's
1: money's a thing all the time. We're always talking about numbers and those numbers as the film goes on, they go from ten yen, like you say, to ten thousand yen and at the end Jenny not Jenny Nabucco has stolen <laughs> has stolen um either a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand yen. They talk about five point four million, you know. Because Japan has become this developed nation. And at a real pace and everything, inflation has gone up. And and yet there are also, you know, the, the village hasn't really changed. They go back when the father dies. Tomoe goes back and it doesn't feel any different. The same old women are still there. They're just somehow 30 years older but look exactly the same. And they're still saying the same dirty little jokes as well that that was kind of fascinating you know they're always saying little fanar fanar jokes about sex and getting pregnant and stuff like that so yeah i just i just i i really like this film but i just think it was a bit too long and i would have liked a more definitive ending for those of you who are obviously disappointed
0: that the B movie title of the Insect Woman wasn't something like the Wasp Woman,
1: when I when I mentioned it, I wondered. I wonder if you think <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. going to be a monster movie where this woman turns into the fly or something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I should—I just know you too well to know that it wasn't going to be something like that. So, but no, it repeats the the title. A quintal box at least says it refers to the an insect repeating its mistakes as an infinite circle. Uh, Emma Muir, with this metaphor, introduces life for Tomei, who keeps trying to change her poor life. So, yes, it's basically the little insect who's crawling up the mountain of dirt that we see at the beginning is essentially Tomei's life. Um, and I suppose we should be thankful that, I mean, he obviously avoided the usual sort of cliche of where you break a character down and then they have this wonderful comeback for the finale. It's all like, here we just see a broken-down time and time again um, as she repeats this sort of cycle of uh, climbing up that dirt pile and then don't need to get knocked down again so so. but uh, from a filmmaking standpoint it's very good but from a film experience um, it kind of lost me towards the end so for myself I came away with this being like a 3.5 experience but I know Stephen you rated it higher giving it the full 4 stars yeah it's it, obviously so. a
1: Stephen sort of film um, both because it's got historical and sociological aspects to it, both because it's got a kind of uh, you know, a very interesting visual style, and also because it's pretty depressing like they they, they all they all th- they all sound like Stephen Stephen kind of thinks to me yeah no i I wasn't actually I've got to be honest with you, I found the first twenty minutes really hard to follow. I couldn't work out what was going on, and and I did you know I did a little bit of reading, and the old um, Tony Rains writes because of course he does, but he writes a little thing which just helps break it down a bit. But it makes much more sense once you realise he doesn't always Imamura doesn't always put date stamps when he says times move forward. (laughs) So he's not even consistent in some of his techniques i found it a bit hard but once once we were um you know i think the thing the one that's the bit that sold me was the little girl getting killed by the boiling water i just found that so shocking that i wasn't able to unturn off because i was waiting for more stuff to happen and and yeah maybe today some of it sounds a little quaint but it was i think this stuff was pretty shocking at the time Especially, you now, this is a guy that worked with Ozu, you know, and, and, and was being really frank about, guess what? Married men go off and have sex with women for money. And this is how much it is. And, yeah, fascinating. But, yeah, I, I gave it, did I, did I give it a four? I think I gave it a four, four out of five, letterbox style. I was, um, and also on the, on the DVD, Blu-ray, there's another one of um, Imamura's films. Um, which I'll, I will now go and what not right now, but uh, yeah, Nishai Ginza Station is also on it, so two for one there. And I will, you know, I'm now interested in going to see that.
0: Fantastic. Um, as always, if you uh, have any opinions on tonight's film, please do let us know. You can <laughs> check in with us on uh, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Come say hi to us. Uh, we also have our blog, which is Asian Cinema Club. WordPress.com, where we not only have our full archive episodes, we got our chapter by chapter breakdown of Battle Royale. We've got also really fun pieces of writing, such as The Dark Side of Asian Cinema, The Movie Vault, The Anime Vault. It's uh, all there for you to check out at your leisure. But. It's uh, obviously my turn to tune to the next, and obviously Michelle Yeoh has a new movie out with A Twenty Four, whose title I can never get right. Oh, I'm gonna so go just and gonna leave up. that one alone.
1: Everything, something, everything.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not easy, is it? Everything, everywhere, at all at once. I'm excited because it not only has Michelle Yeoh, but it also has yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis um, in it as well. it may even
1: be a film that we can talk about because I believe it's got um, uh, Asian-American directors. Um, I think it, I think it's a bit of an Asian-American piece. Yeah.
0: It's got Daniel Kwan and Daniel Um who did Swiss Army Man. He's got a really interesting picture as well on Letterbox. He looks like oh my god! They it's like both him and Daniel Kwan have like decided to copy the same look.
1: Mm, <laughs> yes, no, it it looks. I've, I was watching a thing about it on on YouTube, the New York Times or something. Do this thing where they talk about anatomy of a scene and they. Talking about it, and yeah, it just looks fantastic. Anyway, so Michelle Yeoh,
0: yes, so Michelle Yeoh, the, you know, the icon of Hong Kong cinema that she is, directed a film. Well, sorry, she appeared in a film just before her retirement uh, in nineteen eighty-seven, directed by David Chung, called Magnificent Warriors, and that is the film we're going to look
1: at on next episode. Her IMDb is seriously bloody lacking in movies. <laughs> She has
0: done surprisingly little. I mean, she's done 70 films in total. No, I mean, Michelle Yeoh has obviously been in so many fantastic movies. I mean, she's had cross-appeals. She obviously came over and did films on, like, the back of Tomorrow Never Dies, um, and has continued making films both in the East and the West, um, and still Mm. does her own stuff. She's in
1: Far North by, um, the fella who directed Amy and Senna and Maradona. He's, uh, He's, he's, that's a really good film. It's got real Oni Barba vibes, and yeah, she she's she exists in multiple worlds, which is ironic. Can you of the latest movie? That's, yeah, no, I look forward to that because I don't think she she's someone we've sort of spoken around, especially around Anthony Wong month. She was in a couple of those, wasn't she, and a couple of others. Yes. She was in um Heroic Trio yeah. and Executioners um, I don't think she's someone we've you know, she's an icon and we haven't given her um full credit yet. So I look forward to that, mate. So that's obviously coming up
0: on our next episode. If you haven't done already, please do hit the like and subscribe button wherever you happen to be listening to us, leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the show as it all helps raise the profile of the show. But um until next time, thank you for listening. Frankie McCurse As always, and join us next time for Magnificent Warriors. Until then, good night. Hey, 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 no hey, hey,
1: hey! 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 本当